Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm and not th- going to take others. off my shirt, Pete. Well, I'll get one of our other friends to do that if that's the case. It would not be out of character. You do party and have a good time. <laughs> I do. So I feel I like do. You I'm usually not off. the shirt off guy. That's true. But, uh, but you never know. You get one extra drink in me, maybe I will be. Oh, yeah, baby, that's right. Kansas City Chiefs got Taylor Swift. The 49ers might have Chris Sims. Very comparable. Absolutely. Actually not. Not even comparable, okay? I'm still not the shirt off guy. That's not happening. I'm the guy that, like, entices the guy that might be the shirt off guy. I'm the guy that stirs the pot. I'm the guy that goes, here, have this drink one more, and then take your shirt off and do that. That's what I am. Like, you've been working out. Take it off. Let everyone see it. Maybe maybe one day. Maybe I've been doing that CrossFit. Maybe I'll get there one day. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm that guy. Maybe Uh, I'm the guh that induces the guy to take his shirt off. Or maybe you're that guy, or or you're the guy that takes the shirt off. I don't know. I usually... It does seem like a hairy chest thing kind of thing, and you have a hairier chest than me, so maybe it's you. I do. I I usually do not take my shirt off. I usually do not take my shirt off. Yeah, Pete wants to know how you know that about I, my chest. Well, I've, I mean, I've seen little things down there. Popping out in the uh, Right, like, like under the V-neck. collar or something, yeah. right? I've seen it there. And I We're know that close. I know that I have no hair there, and therefore he has a little there, and yeah. he has more. And I don't know what the rest looks like. You're right. You do the pod together for you know how many years? Five years that we've done. Right. You learn these things yes. about each other. Right. Exactly. I mean, you have to shave down the lower part of your neck a little bit, don't you? Here a little bit. Yeah. Like you yeah. have to. Like I don't even have I to shave down there. I don't go the chest. Though, okay. That's okay. Why I get you're not things... connecting yet. I'm not, con- okay. I'm not connecting okay. yet. If you're connecting, uh, yeah. let me know because I'd like to make fun of you more. Soon, when you start to but connect. not yet. Well, you say you're not a shirt off guy, but but Pete has created something, you know, oh, great. art, but make it sports. You know, that whole account yeah. we have art, but make it Sims. And so uh, <laughs> this is a Renaissance redi- uh, rendition right. of the time that Chris sees a crazy touchdown from the suite in Santa Clara, watching the 49ers in the conference championship game. Wow. I got a drink in my hand. Am I blowing smoke out of my mouth there, too? That's that is smoke. smoke. Okay. Yep. This oh, is called that, the smoker. smoker. That. Adrian that, Brower, sixteen thirty six. That's what I would came. be doing if they would allow me, and it was legal, and you could actually smoke weed in a stadium. Oh, I, I would bet, love to sit I, in a suite. Santa Clara. If there's any stadium you can do it, it's out in the Bay. You're, you're probably you're probably right. I mean, I'm not going to do it in the suite, right? I mean, that's not that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, might be okay. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, unfortunately I'm I'm not going to go. I it know. just became too much. Oh. It became too much. Honestly, the flight situation and then figuring that out with work and everything else became daunting, annoying, 
Uh, and I just was like, yeah, okay, it's it's too much, and I couldn't figure, I couldn't piece it all together. So I said the hell with it, which was disappointing to me. Uh, but nonetheless, I'll be on the couch watching the game, and you know who I'll be rooting for in our 49ers-Lions matchup. How dare you? I know. Uh, and physically, too, for you, going on one coast to the other coast and then back in two days. It would have been a lot. There's no doubt. That, see, that's I was willing to do it if I could get it worked out and mapped out the right way. But mm-hmm. then when it was like – you're going to have to take a 6 a.m. flight the day before. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I have to go 6 a.m. on Saturday yeah. to like basically get there? I am a big guy. I do have back problems. I want to be on first class with a flight like that. Yeah. So then also, like, there's, no, there's like no flights that have first class seats available. And then on the way back, like the only flights that were nonstop that still had first class flights or seats available were like really early in the morning and I'd have to do PFT live and I'd have to do our podcast that morning. Right. Right. So then you get into the other like late morning, early afternoon flights. Everything was a connecting if I wanted first class. Yeah. Right. And, and really, I, you don't even like doing that. You're mostly private now anyway. So it's just like, <laughs> I don't know you've heard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did. So when it came to that and then it was like, oh, you're going to have to stop somewhere and it's basically going to take you eight or nine hours to get home yeah i just went okay that's that's i'm just checkmate and uh hopefully i'll see them all at the super bowl watch it in the comfort of your barn i know yeah i'm not probably family depends how cold it is oh because if it's too cold it takes a while to get the barn heated up with me making fires and having to stay on top of that yeah so i'll see what i go i am like i did shift gears into what am i going to do for sunday now right like I gotta have, I want to have a special day. It's the only Sunday of the whole year we get to sit on the couch and watch football, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So I'm like, my favorite barbecue place in Texas. I'm thinking about ordering from them. Do I go Joe Stone Crabs in Florida, right? Like the the, the you know the the famous place you've heard of that Joe Stone Crabs, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can get them like delivered, delivered overnight, vacuum sealed, all really? of that, and yeah, the best brisket you can get. Salt Lick, Texas. They will cook it. They will vacuum seal it. You just got to get it home. Once you get it home, you just got to reheat it. It's wow. ready to go, marinated. Everything's ready. You just got to kind of reheat it, whether you want to throw it on the grill or in the oven, whatever. But yes, and that's what I'm looking so to you do. So were, you were never going. You were never going to San Francisco. You were dreaming about these vacuum sealed <laughs> food items from Texas and Florida. Um, yeah, they owe us money. Yeah, now. that Joe was our, Stone Crab, Salt Lake. That was Texas. an ad read. Yeah, that yeah, was an send ad read. Send your cash to me, Christopher Sims. All right, so we do have business to get to. This is a look ahead for two games, but you also did look at the film for the games last weekend, the divisional yes. games, and so you you learned some new things. Definitely, about I some hope of the so. teams that yep. are still in it, and maybe some of the teams that are gone, and why they're gone, and maybe some of those things that the Ravens or Chiefs or 49ers or Lions can learn not to do from what the other teams did in those games. So we'll get into to all that. We got the Big Butt Awards. We have Requiem for four teams that we put into the ground. So a lot to do on this conference championship preview edition of Chris Sims Unbuttoned. We'll start. In the AFC, it's a three-and-a-half-point spread. Baltimore Ravens are favored over Patrick Mahomes, who goes on the road for the second time in his NFL career. He's 1-0 in his life on the road in the playoffs. Uh, so he's an underdog again. That's, that's the, like from the start. That's like the weirdest thing about this game is being like, hey, Patrick Mahomes is an underdog. I know. Isn't that? It just doesn't, it doesn't seem sound right. right after all that he has done and what he did do last yeah. weekend. Underdog, on the road, we're getting used to all of that. I think that's added, you know, like we were kind of saying the other day, a little more juice to their football team because this is new to them, right? Yeah. You know, winning playoff run, not new, but underdog on the road wait fuck you how dare you do that to us we're the chiefs and it gives them a little extra juice and i think we can feel that right now i mean listen you heard mahomes 
after the game, right? You saw them in the locker room. Oh, they they wanted it. They wished for it. They wanted us at home in the playoffs. They got it. Yeah, they got it. So they're they're embracing this challenge and. Uh, and these are two teams that are both kind of chippy to begin with anyways. They don't like that under – how dare you make us the underdog? I mean, the last time we heard that from the Ravens was the 49ers game. Then they went out there and killed them, right? Yeah. So, you know, this is where, yeah, it's two chippy, chippy teams with big goals – uh, at the forefront of their mind, and yeah, this is going to be an awesome showdown. So it's like an underdog off. Like both right. teams want to claim the underdog status here. <laughs> yeah, right, Gra- at right. Greatness Calls says, will the fact that we are the underdogs as the number one seed help or hurt us versus Kansas City? Lamar and the team have been locked in, but the commanding story will be Mahomes. So Greatness Calls is saying that the Ravens are indeed the underdog. Yeah, you're not, though. So they're, <laughs> you're, you're not, so we can't. But, but yeah, they're, they're still... Will they be able to – they don't need the underdog status here, right? Greatness calls. They don't. They know what they're dealing with. You know, we've seen all year, you've heard me say, when the Ravens seem like there's a little fear in them, that's when they've played their best. Yeah. You know, they, the teams that they played with winning records, the teams that they thought, oh, we could lose, they kind of dominated all those football teams. And last week they got scared at halftime, came out, dominated even some more. So I don't think this is one where they need disrespect. I think there's enough fear already. Wait, well, this is the defending champs. This is the team that's been to three out of the last four Super Bowls, right? Like, we, we, we better be ready to go. And it's a team that we've had, a tr- we've had trouble beating in the Lamar Jackson era. So I don't think the underdog stuff and all that is going to really bother the Ravens. I think they know what they're in for here. Patrick Mahomes in his career. And, Pete, this is his career. This is not just like postseason career, obviously, right? This is just his entire career. He's only had 11 games where he's been the underdog. He is 8-3 and three yeah. in those 11 games. Not shocked. Really not. <laughs> I mean, we, we, this is, again, we're, we're talking about a guy that's, that's already in, in goat territory, right? Yeah. I mean, this is as special as it gets. And, uh, man, he goes on the road, wins this one against a team that everybody clearly looks at as the number one team in football. You know, the lure and the, the aura around Patrick Mahomes is only going to get bigger and better. So they sliced and diced the Bills. It was They were scoring basically every possession out there. Yeah. Nico Waco, 19, as we get into the discussion on the Chiefs offense here and what they may or may not be able to do against the Ravens, we always talk about Mahomes' big throws, but his pocket awareness is maybe the tops in the business. Yeah. What will he have to be careful about against this scary Ravens D? So you looked at the film of what he was able to do against the Bills defense. How many similarities are there with this Ravens defenses and how many differences? There's not a lot of – I mean, there's not a ton of similarities here. Well – I mean, they're both very well coached and creative, right? The Ravens are, I think, far superior talent-wise and actually, I think, even more versatile within their scheme just because they have some better players. So they're, it allows them to kind of do a few more things and, and uh, color outside the lines, if you want to say a little bit, right? Yeah. You've always heard me say, like, the, the Bills don't want to play man-to-man. That's not what they are. They're looking to play creative zones, and McDermott's going to drop all his guys the right way. The Ravens can do everything. They can and the Ravens also, where the Bills like were compromised in the game the other day. I mean, when you watch that game back right away, you start to go, oh, yeah, Buffalo's, Buffalo's D-line's in trouble, mm. right? I mean, when Mahomes dropped back to pass, he, couldn't, he didn't have to bake a cake. He could have baked two cakes, took it out of the oven, put icing on it, and put it back in the refrigerator before he threw the ball. I mean, it was incredible. Vacuum sealed. Vacuum sealed. Exactly. Right. So they had no chance. From the very get-go, the first run of the football game, it is like the Bills D-line goes back four yards, right? So that's going to be a different story this week, right? The Ravens, we know. Ravens play a lot of nickel defense, just like the Bills, but have different ways they can do it. And then also within that, 
have a huge front four, as we've discussed many a times, as big as it gets in football. I mean, they can be as big as they want. So that's where they're a little different, too. Okay, wait, so we'll play nickel. It doesn't matter. We still got huge guys up front and two awesome linebackers in the middle that we're comfortable doing it, let alone they have different versions of their nickel. They can play big nickel and put Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton, who's a 220-pound safety, right, down at nickel. And then, of course, it's like, well, damn, I mean, you know, there's, t- there's linebackers on the Jets and some of these other teams that are 220 where he'd go, yeah, so, so that's what I mean. They can play nickel, but they have a lot of different ways in which they can do it and still match up and do that stuff the right way the Chiefs are going to be a tough defend right now the Chiefs I've never seen them be that balanced in a football game in my life with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes never one of the reasons I picked the Bills to win the game was because I just went you know you know my theory the Chiefs have been doing dumb shit all year Right, And that will continue. Usually you reveal yourself after 18 weeks. McCall Hardman had the play where he reached out and did dumb shit. But you know, I also thought part of the thing was that Andy wouldn't be patient enough with the run and would become a little too like, we're going to pass the ball, we're going to pass the ball, we're going to pass the ball, and that would play right into McDermott's hand. That didn't happen, and that's where the Chiefs are a different animal right now. And I think the Chiefs, like we've been talking about the last few weeks, embrace the ugliness, embrace who you are, whatever. They have done that, and they've gone into – We'll do whatever we got to do just to win the football game mode. Yeah. And that's what they did the other night. Interesting. So a couple things on that. Let me ask you first. Is that, was that your biggest disappointment with the Bills' defense? Is because the defensive line, they, they had injuries everywhere. Secondary linebacker, of course. Yeah. Um, but the way that the Kansas City offensive line dominated the Bills' defense. Yeah, the D-line. D- the D-line especially. Right. That was disappointing. The D-line had a pretty good year there in Buffalo. Right. It did. And, and, you know, Daquan Jones, and we know Ed Oliver was pretty good, and Leonard Floyd, right, and, and uh, you know, um, other Rousseau. It's, it's a good group. It definitely is. But as you've heard me say in years past, too, it's not the biggest, most stout group in the world either. You know, Leonard Ford's a long, skinny guy. Rousseau is kind of longer-ish, not real stout guy either, right? And then I think some of their depth behind them fell off a little bit. But, yeah, that's – that's right. Jordan Phillips was out. He was one of their best big guys. But that's where it really hurt them. And then, yes, the backups behind them weren't as good, and they got steamrolled as well. And, you know, then you couple that with, wait, we can't stop the run, and now we might have to play man-to-man, and they don't like to do that. Mm-hmm. That's an issue, right? The two big plays to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they were man-to-man plays. Again, the Bills aren't good at that. That's not what they're made for. Yeah. And so they were really compromised. And between the injuries like you mentioned and then McDermott doing his best to trick it up and do whatever, there was just too much to overcome. There's only so much you can trick it up when you're undermanned, let alone you're playing a team that's got some schematical physical advantages on you that you know your coaching can only kind of make up for so many of those advantages. So it'll be tougher for them against the Baltimore Ravens, bigger up front, and they could have an injury here. Lips Macklin Good says, what does the Chiefs offensive line do with Joe Tooney? possibly out so an MRI showed that he has a pec strain not a tear yeah so the status for Sunday is not definitely out but it is up in the air right now well that's that's a huge deal I mean we know that I mean you know again this is where I've argued a little bit where it's like you know hey the the bill's got to improve we know that right you know you look at the Chiefs and they got like multiple all pros on both sides of the football you look at the Bills and you go nobody's in the all pro conversation other than Josh Allen I mean nobody Right, so that's where it's like again, where people want to blame Josh Allen or the Bill. Like the Bills have everything; they have to get more sizzle, as we've said for the last three years. There's just not enough difference makers, right? Um, 
the point I was getting to, and what were you asking me about there? Joe Tooney? Oh the yeah, Joe Tooney. Line? Where yeah. it's a big deal, of course, is yeah, like we just talking about the Ravens won. Yeah, we know you got to run the football right on them a little bit, and the Chiefs need to do that with that balance. Two, okay, the Ravens bring a lot of crazy blitzes. You'd like Joe Tooney there just because, hey, he's smart, and that's the continuity we've had all year long, right? And he's one of the best guards in football, so he's going to help sort all this stuff out. Three, they got a guy like Justin Matabuke there, right, with the Baltimore Ravens, one of the best D tackles that's pass rushers in all of football. Joe Tooney is probably the best pass-protecting guard in football, right? Mm-hmm. So when you add those things together, that's where it's a big deal. Strain pectoral, thank God. Torn, he would have been definitely done. Strain, I'm going to bet we see him play. If he doesn't play, yeah, that, that will be an issue, certainly. And we're going to see you know, what they do to uh, try to figure that out and, and supplant him. I, I would think we'd see uh, Allegretti, uh, who's kind of their all-purpose offensive lineman in the interior that, that we'll see. Was it Nick, I think? Nick, Nick Allegretti. Allegretti. Right. Seventh round pick in 20, what was it, 2019, I think, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, somewhere so, around there. Okay. Right. We may learn more about him coming up uh, on Sunday. So, uh, yeah. um, what were you going to say? Well, I don't, I, I don't know. You want to keep wanna, staying on the Chiefs? Oh, Ravens yes, D? And, okay, and, and, and I want to do sure. that by yeah. going inside the numbers powered by AWS. Um, so, this is, this is something that I've heard uh, a few people discuss on the personnel groupings that yeah. the Chiefs used here, yeah. too. Uh, per Next Gen Stats, the Chiefs used 13 personnel. That's one running back, three tight ends, on 11 of their 47 plays in their divisional round victory over the nickel-heavy Bills, gaining 95 yards. That is almost nine yards per play. It was their highest usage of 13 personnel since 2016. Yeah. They dabble in it from time to time. This game was the most I've ever seen it. I think the... It goes into what we were saying. The injuries, the linebackers, the depth on the Dean line were all in question as of late. Mm -hmm. And why don't we put them in a bind, right? And let's run the football because we have an advantage there, certainly. But even within that, too, like that group there, they're pretty good when you split them out to throw the football and play that angle as well. I mean, it's not like it's like, oh, man, it's three tight ends that, you know, can't do anything. Right. Oh, no, they're going to be really, you know, in a, in a tough spot here. No, I mean, Travis Kelsey and Noah Gray can run like wide receivers in a lot of ways. So that is a great element of their offense, and I think it's something they should continue to embrace. It'll be interesting to see that versus the Ravens, right? The Ravens, again, will they bend totally there in that conversation? The, the Ravens are a team that are going to go, wait, you want to put three tight ends in and play Smash Mouth? Um, where can we sign up? We're, we're all for that. You want to play – Fight in a phone booth, football, um, we're all for that. Thank you. Uh, sign us up. I mean, so that plays right to what they want. Now, within that, do they bring in an extra linebacker? Do they go Malik Harrison and bring him in? Or do they go the big nickel aspect like I talked about? That, to me, will be something to watch, the chess match within the chess match. Yeah. And here's one other thing I'd add into this a little bit. I think you, you probably saw this in my notes. I wouldn't make a living playing, playing Smash Mouth, phone booth football against the Baltimore Ravens. That would not be the approach I would go, right? One, when you play in those tight quarters like that, we know they like that. They're big. They're physical. Their linebackers are awesome. Two, when you play in those tight quarters too, right, it makes it hard to see who's blitzing, who's what, because everybody's there, right? So you're a little bit like, I don't know, fucking all 11 guys are right here. I don't know who's fucking coming, who's dropping. Like, it, they're not, you don't have to disguise anything. We're all lined up in here, and they're all lined up in here with us, right? So that doesn't make it a clear picture for the quarterback all the time. 
That was one of the things that bothered me about the Texans game plan a little bit. Mm. They tried to do that and like gave themselves basically no chance in the football game. Like the Ravens were like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll beat the shit out of you right here between the hashes. To me, when the Texans had success, and if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm spreading the field out a little bit with the Baltimore Ravens. Right? We know there's not a lot of weaknesses with their football team, but pass rush with four is an issue, right? Marlon Humphrey banged up. How talented are their corners is definitely worth questioning, Hmm. right? And with a guy like Mahomes and a really good offense and Andy Reid, and we know he's well taught, I think if you spread out, you're going to have a hard time tricking Mahomes. That's all I'm saying. He's at a point in his career where – he doesn't get fooled by blitzes or anything like that very often. You see him like we've been talking about the last few weeks. I mean, every play is 50, even, blah, 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 blah. check, hey, 50, ah, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's every play. So that, to me, is where they could have an advantage. And then out of those sets, you can still run the football, right? You, get, you start picking them apart. See, this is where this chess match is going to be awesome. Right? You don't want to play man against Mahomes because we know Andy Reid will have some pick plays and he can throw it deep and uh-oh, right? So that's a problem. But if you play zone, what we saw last week against the Buffalo Bills and where they are, and this is what's amazing about the Chiefs because they weren't surgical all year and all of a sudden they got to the playoffs and they're like, we're the most clean-running, perfect offense you've ever seen. It just doesn't happen. It's amazing. The whole year was inconsistent as hell. They get to two playoff games, and I go, it's the highest-functioning offense in football all of a sudden. Like, what the hell has happened? And they will pick apart the zone is what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's where I am really interested to see how both sides play it. Did the Ravens go? Did the Chiefs go, no 13 this week, we're going to spread the field, so you have to show yourself a little bit? Or are they going to go, wait, this is working for us, and we still think we can run and do some things off of this and put you in a bind? I don't know, but that's something to watch for. I mean, I love the nuance of that, too, because we just talked about the Bills using the nickel defense. They used it 80% of the time this year. That was the fourth highest rate in the NFL. Right. But then you look at the Baltimore Ravens, yeah. and they're third they're way in up the there. NFL. They're 80% of the time, 80.4, and so they're third in the NFL. But you would say it's a, it's a different kind it's of nickel. It's a different nickel. kind of nickel. It definitely different is. Dudes. Different dudes here. You know, again, this is, this, is two of, this is arguably the best linebacking duo in football. It's it's you know dudes up front front and and Pierce and Matabuke who were you know stout as hell in the middle of that defense. It's Jadavion Clowney on the edge who's like will hold his ground against any tackle in football and then some. So yes, that's where it's different. Let alone they can play with their nickel personnel sets like I told you to where they can go. Yeah, this is nickel, but this guy's like as good a tackler as most starting linebackers in football. We're not we're not too worried about that. And that's what I would think you were going to see is that they, you know, bring in a third safety and play that type of nickel. Cuz of what we said, they're going to go, "Wait, it's still Travis Kelsey and Noah Gray. Those fuckers can run." I'm not going to let here and like have Malik Harrison guarding Noah Gray, who runs like four or five up the sideline, right? So that's where I would expect we see something, something like that. That was Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS. And before we move over to the other side of the ball, let's kind of take a closer look at the Ravens' defense. And for this, we're going inside the notebook. We're trying to decipher the penmanship of Chris Sims, and here it is. <laughs> if you're playing at home, I'll give you a second. I don't want to give away the answer right away. 
It's sponsored by whoever can read this piece. Says I had here. a bad pen to start off my notes. I was going to say you that I it was it was light. And yeah. it was, uh, I made a change somewhere. I think in the 49ers Packers game, I was like, "This is not getting it done." That's good though that you can do that. You South can see that it's an audible you know, midway right? through. Yep. Blue black pen. A lot Blue, of people try to power pen. through with something that's not working. <laughs> change it up. Uh, so we go. Ravens physically great on defense. Um, Unlike the Browns, speaking of changing it up, they never did, right? But no, yes, there we In go. another class than the Texans, right. unlike the Browns, yep, played D that were not going to let number seven throw big plays down the field. Texans not surgical surgical enough yet, yet, for, the, yet, yet for this. Chiefs for this, are. Chiefs are. Right. All right, so let me read was that again. Was this the new pen? Was this the new <laughs> no, pen? No, it was no? not. But he, yes, I wrote, hey, Ravens played great on D. In another class in the Texans, unlike Browns, played Ds that were not going to let number 17, or number seven, excuse me, See? Stroud. See what I mean? Throw big plays down the field. Texans not surgical enough yet for this. Chiefs are. Ravens will have to be more aggressive versus the Chiefs, or 15 will pick them apart. Hmm. Right. Well, see, they played a team where they went, you know, a little bit, you know, some of the things were, we've already said yes, or echoed yes, here. Yeah. They played a team where, you know, they knew, like, wait, wait, they're, they're not a great run team. We're big up front. We're awesome with the run game. All right. We're going to trust that, and we're not going to go all in on what some of the Browns, you know, defensive calls were, where it's like, hey, we're going to get in Nico Collins' face, and we're not going to have anybody behind him. And if, if he gets off the line of scrimmage, you score a touchdown. But if he doesn't, then I don't know what happens. They were, like, not willing to take that gamble. So they went, nah, we'll play saver on that end. And you're kind of relying on the big play, play action passes, one-on-one throws like we talked about. Remember, we talked about one-on-one is usually good for the rookie quarterback. He doesn't have to read a whole lot. Ravens did the exact opposite. Mm. They were like, no, we're going to make you read stuff. You're not going to know what the hell you're looking at. And, you know, we're just going to kind of confuse you and make you guys execute and be surgical. And their offense isn't quite diverse yet, you know, to that capacity, nor it should be with a rookie quarterback. So I'm curious what the other defensive coordinator is going to do. You're ready to flip the page, ready. go over to the Ravens on offense, Chiefs on yeah. defense here. Take a look at this. So Tomas Pena says, how can Spags potentially scheme to contain Lamar in the run game without giving up major holes in the passing game? Yeah. Do you foresee him being as aggressive as he was versus the Eagles in the last Super Bowl? I don't know if it'll be that aggressive, right? You know, it's, it's a great, great question uh, right there. It couldn't it, be that aggressive, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, no, I think this, this, this offense is a better passing offense than the Eagles were, right? And I think Lamar Jackson's at a point of his career where – you couldn't do that to him anymore, to that capacity, right? Where he's going to, like like we saw last week, you overblitz him, he's going to start to figure it out, they're going to figure it out, and he's going to start to tear you apart, right? So that's where it's different. But saying all that, they still got to be aggressive here. They got to find a way. There, there's no question about that. You know, one thing that's like apparent, you know, Lamar is so good at reading the field and making throws now that like, hey, when the, the Texans had no choice but the blitz, because when they played zone, First off, and just tried to rush their front four, he, he had all day. And then also, like, he can pick zones apart, right? Their, their offense is good enough. He's too good at throwing the ball and manipulating zone defenders that you can't stop it. So you got to be, you know, at next level a little bit in that department. And that's where the, the Texans finally just went, we're going to take the aggressive approach because if we sit back, we're, we're going to lose. He's gonna, he was running on you. He was scrambling on you. This defense is a whole different animal. Not only is it more talented, but you know, you've always heard me. Like Spags is game plan specific, right? The Texans, 
again, it's rooted in the 49ers of Seattle scheme. It's a little bit like, hey, they play three defenses. Just which one are they going to break out against us, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it is. And, and that's great when your team's good, but it's not always great in a game like this when it's like, oh, we're undermanned, and now i got to think of crazy stuff outside the box, right? The, like Spags did in the Super Bowl last year against the, the Eagles. Spags will do that. Like the Ravens are going to see some plays or some defenses and go, whoa, he didn't do that all year. What the hell was that, right? And I think he's going to have to do that. Here's the biggest reason. I mean, one – you got to vary your attack. If the Ravens start to get a feel for what you're in, they're going to start to tear you apart. So that's the most important thing. Two, you know, I still think blitz and some of the pressures, I still think it's fair to question how awesome the plan is from the Baltimore Ravens, right? You saw me in that. Like, their plan didn't blow me away when they started to figure it out. Hmm. They kind of just went through, let's run, let's call some quarterback runs, and let's just call some quicker passes, right? That was kind of the plan. And I could see Spags finding some ways, as he always does, to maybe put them in some predicaments there as far as, like, like how are you going to protect this? What are you going to do? Where's your hot route going to be? What, what's it going to be here? What's their plan? So that's something they're going to have to work on. But the other thing, too, you know, the, 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 the Chiefs can play man-to-man, right? The Chiefs are phenomenal man-to-man football team. So that'll allow them to take some chances on some other things too. Now, again, I don't think they should live in man-to-man because I think Zay Flowers and Bateman and OBJ is scary if you play them man-to-man too much, right? But they certainly won every three plays or something like that could break it out and be fine all game and survive with that group they got there. You know, so that's one thing. The other thing that I think the Chiefs have to worry about, and Pete, maybe you could look this up. You know, they're a little beat up in the interior part of their D-line. Naughty didn't play last week, yep. right? I think you saw in my notes. Uh, it, they, to me, as I watched the game, I think they were very cognizant of if Chris Jones wasn't in there, we need to protect our defensive tackles and call some defenses that are a little bit run-stopping, run blitzes, whatever. And that does worry me because when Chris Jones comes out of the game, that interior part, those D-tackles – it's it's not the most you know incredible group you've ever seen, and I think they could have some issues with those big boys from Baltimore up front. Hmm. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. 
Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. So let's hammer home on this point because yeah. you touched on it a little bit. Swish okay. B says, how do you think Todd Munkin is going to attack those all-out pressures looks that Spags is known for? Personally, I could see the RPO attack being successful for the Ravens, but would like to hear your thoughts. So if you were Todd Munkin, if you, if you were him, and you say you didn't necessarily love all the, all the stuff that, that he did or has done, how, how would you handle it? If Spags brings that pressure. I think he can put this D more in a bind than Buffalo did, right? There's more to defend with the Ravens offense than there is the Buffalo offense. It's not even close, right? So I, again, and this is, it's kind of unique because I think it's kind of good. It was good practice for the Chiefs last week, but I don't think they can play it the same way. But I really look at it and go, I think the Lamar Jackson run game has poses real issues for the Chiefs in this one. I do. One, you know, hey, years past, I think they were like, hey, we can cheat on these receivers aren't that good. We don't have to worry about it. Blah, blah, blah. They, they can't do that anymore. And they can't also go, oh, we kind of know this pass offense is kind of simple, right? This one, they got answers. There's creativity, right? So I think they had that luxury in years past, you know. This, I don't think they have that luxury against this group, let alone, like you just heard me say, I think they got to worry about their D-line a little bit in the run game department. And that's where I think, yes, and again, to me, where the game changes when your playoff football teams are good, coaches are really good, what's the any advantage you can have? Lamar Jackson run game is something that I would certainly mm-hmm. look at to break out that is going to scare the shit out of Spags when he sees it a few times and go, oh, no. If I call this blitz and they call that quarterback design run play, we're not going to have enough people over in this area and I'm in trouble, right? And that'll make them back off a little just in itself, right? So he's going to have to be creative to find ways and play that game. But, you know, that's where this game is awesome. There's a little bit of kryptonite for each team on both sides of the ball where you go – uh, this is a little issue for them. Oh, but they get a little issue too. Oh, this is an issue for them. Oh, but they get a little issue too. And that's why I think it's going to be a, a clash of the Titans on I, Sunday. You have two elite defensive coordinators in this game too. You have Spags, who's been there forever and has been considered a great defensive coordinator for a long time now. Right. And now you've got Mike McDonald, who might be a head coach here very soon. I like, like who, who's, whose style from what you've seen do you like, do you like more? <sighs> Man, I, they're my, I think they're my two favorites, Like right? one and two or think, two and one. I think it's... Uh, Man, I don't know. I I, th- I guess I would say McDonald, but it's close, mm. right? I've I've kind of said all year they're my favorite defense to watch and some of the stuff they do, but it's it's rooted a lot in the same principles: never letting the quarterback feel comfortable mentally, physically, right? Play with the physical recklessness that is second to none, and then with all that creativity, are just pretty sound across the board, right? Usually, like, you know, defenses that do that much, you just go, well, they're going to fuck a few things up every now and then. These guys are both, like, mm-hmm. on their P's and Q's, the defensive football players. Well and coached, don't mess up. Really, really, really well coached. Okay. Uh, I just want to make sure I didn't miss Is anything. Is there anything else in the notebook about here, anything with the Ravens offense? I mean, we, we talked about how they made the adjustment at halftime and really figured out a blitz play in there. Yes, they did. Yep. That showed itself. Yep, exactly right. I mean, they whooped the crap out of the, the Texans like you like we kind of said on Monday. Yep. It was just a few C.J. Stroud plays, and that was it. Um, no, I think I, you know, I, would, I would go back to what I said. If, if I'm, the, if I'm the, the Chiefs, 
I am opting to spread them out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you can't keep your two and three tight end sets on the field a little bit, but I think that's going to be something to watch. Um, and, you know, the, where the Chiefs, too, I think are, are good for the Ravens or have a good match, too, is the Chiefs are not like a – you've heard me say this before. Hey, if it's too deep – play the left side of the field. If it's one deep, play the right side of the field, right? We, we have a two deep concept on the left. We got a one deep concept on the right. Try to, it's too hard to figure that shit out with the Ravens. And you need to all across the board type of reads. The Chiefs are that type of football team, right? And the Chiefs, they run the ball a little bit. Hey, like I said, the Ravens are not the greatest man-to-man football team. And that could be something to watch out for, too. Other thing I'll say, too, here, just why I'm just rattling a few things off. Yeah. The Ravens, like, I think this is a game. Chiefs, don't be afraid to play a little one-on-one ball. The Chiefs will go, or the Ravens will go man-to-man on the receiver to the left. And if you have three receivers to the right, they'll go, hey, guy on the left, you play man-to-man, and then we're going to play zone with the other six defenders over here, right? So there's times where you can just go, hey, Rasheed Rice, run a comeback, run an out route. And you can just go, let's just throw it there, not deal with all that disguising and all the craziness they have out there. So I think those are things to, yeah. to watch, and uh, I think I kind of hit it all. You're making your pick tomorrow. I feel like... Yeah, what do you I, feel? I, when hearing you talk about it, I feel yeah. like you're trending towards Chiefs a little bit and the Mahomes magic, and they've got some answers here. But I think I would say... Ravens and the thing the tiebreaker for me is like the injuries and Pete puts him here at the end here Derek Noddy for the on the defensive side for the Chiefs their defensive tackle hurt his tricep in the wild card did yeah. not practice all last week right uh, Willie Gay tweaked his neck per I Andy know. Reed and Mike Edwards had a concussion in the game so their free safety questionable I just want to make sure too. like you know I didn't miss anything Chiefs related a little bit um, Mahomes is on fire in that game the mechanics were amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I totally heard everything you said there. I didn't mean to like yeah, disregard no, just, it. I'm, no, I'm going through, through my one more thing, Colin, because it was hard. I didn't know how we were going to break this down, and I have it broken down into the order of the games in which they were played last weekend. Yeah. You're, so, you're backward-looking. We're forward-looking. I know, we're so looking I'm into trying the to piece together my Ravens notes, and then my <laughs> Chiefs notes are like 10 pages in the other direction, so I'm trying to make sure I got it all here the right way. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know. Anything I, else from your Chiefs' O notes yes. that could be beneficial? that you have not already mentioned against the Ravens? I don't think there. I don't think so. I think the Chiefs owe stuff. I'm pretty good. Okay. Um, you know, like I said, though, I, I do think it's the spread out thing because they can protect. And if they play zone, I think they can pick it apart. Um, you know, I think that's pretty good on the Chiefs' O side. The Chiefs' defense, right? There, I think we rattled off a few of these things as well. And – you know, one of the things I thought the Bills maybe dropped the ball on just a little bit mm-hmm. is they should have attacked down the field a little bit more, right? They were compromised. They were. But I think there was a few times where I would have gone, you need to back them off at one point here, right? We saw the Stefan Diggs. He got by. It was him and Justin Reed, 60 yards down the field. Remember Khalil Shakir? He dropped a go route down the left sideline earlier in the fourth quarter. Remember that? He kind of had to fall to the ground. It would have been a good catch. Mm. He had his hands underneath it, right? But – that would be something I like. I don't think the Ravens will be afraid to attack the Chiefs' aggressiveness, right? If they're going to be like, oh, you, you want to play man-to-man? You, you want to play bump-to-bump on Zay, Zay Flowers? Okay, <laughs> I'm Lamar fucking Jackson. I'm going to throw the go-route. I will throw the go-route. Like, you're crazy, right? So that's something to watch for. I talked about the, um, you know, the Ravens' O-line with the D-tackles thing. 
And, you know, I think uh, after I look at it all, I think we're pretty good. I think we brought up all the points. I'll give you the right to bring up a point if you remember it at some point in our next game here. I will go back. We'll pause and we'll go back. Thank you. We can handle that. Uh, The other game. The other game. The game. The three seed in the NFC, the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship for the first time since 1991. I was watching that game. I mentioned it as a young little man. Watched them get destroyed. But I was like, they'll be back here soon. I mean, what am I going to be? Maybe 15, 16, (laughs) 20 at most. 44, yeah, with hair on my chest now and gray everywhere. <laughs> they're finally up. back. Uh, 49ers seems like they're here every every year. They're the one seed. They're favored by seven, favored by a touchdown in this one. The 49ers are favored by seven? Favored by seven. Are you kidding me? It's too much, you think. It opened at seven? A six and a half, and it's now up to seven. Wow. Damn, I did not know that. I'm a little surprised with that number. That's that's a little high for me. That, Sounds that like is. someone will be picking uh, some away team to cover potentially <laughs> that's in just, this game. I'm surprised to hear that 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 is that high. Why? Well, you've heard my my thoughts on that. I think you guys match up with them in some ways, right? Uh, so yeah, I just that to just say seven points. That's yeah. a lot to me. I mean. You, your O line is really good. Their front four is gonna be they're gonna have issues. Now, you guys protect great. They're not killing it in the pass rush department right now. Right? I mean, we talk about you know I know I've said it a million times, but you know, the the ability to throw the ball aggressively down the field outside the numbers. The 49ers will give it to you. They actually dare you to do it. You guys can do that. You guys can stop the run. Right? They're not a big drop back pass. We're going to pick you apart and get in the shotgun. They want to do it more through play action and bootlegs. Okay, here's a drop back pass, but here's a run. Here's a run. Here's a play action. Here's another play action. Here's a screen to the receiver. Here's a run. Okay, we're in shotgun. We throw it, drop back, back to the run, back to the right. That's how they want to play. Yeah. That's that, that, like, the reason I was scared for you guys last week is that I was going, this fucking Bucks team could get in the shotgun and drop back and pass and tear your secondary apart a little bit. You know, they're, they can tear you apart, but it's a different way. And I think the way they do it fits to how you guys play a little bit more. That's why I guess I'm surprised to hear seven points. All right, we'll, we'll get into all this yeah. uh, by way of some of these homey questions. But what I will say is that Detroit Lions offensive line, in the conversation, for the best in all of football. They played like that you right. know, through the run game, through the pass game. Penny Sewell and Ragnow were on my uh, so, are on my first team All Pro, but that would be the problem. We saw Frank Ragnow a little dinged up, yeah. he gutted through it, right? And we don't know what's going on. Doesn't sound good for their left guard and Jonah Jackson uh, per Next Gen stats. Uh, the backup when he came, came in, Coyote Awosika had a team high seven pressures allowed on twenty five snaps. That's twenty five or twenty eight snaps. That's twenty five percent of the time. Uh, Jonah Jackson, he left in the second quarter. It was Vita Vea that was able to get those pressures, a lot of those, against uh, Iowa Sika. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be the concern, is 100%. that they're not 100%. 100%. That's right. Now, hey, like, you know, it's, it's a, like, even if Iowa Sika has to play, right? He gets a week of practice. He gets ready. He'll be a different guy than he was getting thrown into that situation. That's not always easy, right? It's not like, oh, shit, I haven't done shit all week. I did some fake, like, scout team reps. Oh, no, now I'm man up on Vita Vea? Like, yeah, have fun. Or Kalijah Kansi or Logan Hall. I mean, they got studs there. So, uh, 
Yeah, I, we'll see with the Jonah Jackson thing. The Frank Ragnow thing, if you made me bet, I bet you he plays. By the, just the way the injury looked, the way he looked the rest of the football game, I know it wasn't great. I'm sure he woke up sore as hell and everything like that. But I, it feels like one of those where, yeah, he probably won't be 100%, but I don't think he'll be worse than 90%, if that makes sense. We'll see where it goes there. But, yeah. yes, you know, I mean. He played every snap, Ragnow. He did. He played, right? He never missed a, never he never missed missed a, snap. a snap. He yeah. limped off the field after, you know, the, the touchdown one time and all that. But uh, he was out there. And I do think that's, you know, again, going to be something that you guys can lean on in this football game. Okay. A team that doesn't love the blitz, they want to rush their front four, you guys can protect. You're going to be able to let people develop downfield and get, and get some stuff like that, let alone – you know, I don't think the 49ers' defense is as good as in years past, and even their run defense. And that would be one thing, again, I will continue to yell at your offense for. Run the fucking ball. I don't really get it. I don't. Even in that game the other day, watching that back, you know me. I'm not, like, sitting here just to say run the ball because I was born in 1963 and I just think you should run the ball because somebody told me that in 1967, right? I don't care about that. It's, it's about doing with the defense what they're telling you to do yeah. and taking advantage of your strengths. And in that football game, you guys started to dominate on the drive. You ran the ball, period, right? You, first off, you guys are so good up front that you should never be too scared away from the run, no matter what the numbers of the scheme are. You're just you're so good, and then you're yeah. versatile or scheme. I think the two times they played the Bucks this year, they did they were more pass heavy than they were in most other games. Way, way too much. I think they. But gave they were them, just scared that they, they were couldn't scared. do it as effectively. I get it, and you know, I, I, and I just uh, they got a scared, a little too scared, especially in this game where we talked about the Bucks played a lot of. We're going to play coverage. We're not going to blitz as much. We're going to throw the okie doke at you. That they were playing for the pass, right? That's where I didn't get. It. Game got tight at 17-17, right? And they basically went, fuck you, here comes Jameer Gibbs. And you guys went right down the field and scored a touchdown. And then you know what happened the next series? The B- Bucks were like, we couldn't stop the run the last drive. We have to put a ton of people at the line of scrimmage. we got to stop doing it. And guess what they did? They played man-to-man, and you guys hit two or three big pass plays, and you went and scored, and it was 31-17. Just like that. So that's where I say it. You know, let alone lean on it because Jameer Gibbs is your best offensive football player or most explosive. Yeah. You're good at running the football. And it's something that can really put the 49ers in a bind here. It really can. And that's what the Packers did a little bit too. And you guys are very good at marrying your run game with your pass game to where the 49ers are such a fast flow, right? You know, Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, they see the backside guard pull. Well, fuck, they're at the hole sometimes before the running back gets there. They're so good at reading that stuff. But you guys do those same type of things and then go, whoop, we're not giving it to them. We pulled the guard. We're actually still throwing the football. And that is going to give the 49ers problems. Edward Rowland says, damn, okay, Jameer Gibbs. He likes him as much as you do, Chris. Big plays running and receiving. How should Goff in Detroit utilize Gibbs alongside St. Brown and Laporta to be competitive against the Niners? You just think more. Yeah. More Jameer Gibbs. More Jameer Gibbs. Just get the ball in his hands a little bit. I like Montgomery, but I would only really bring in Montgomery down near the goal line or in short yardage situations. It's go time, Detroit. You give your best players, you ride them. Shanahan's not going to bring in McCaffrey's backup when they're on the 50-yard line. I can tell you that. He's going to go, wait, I'm paying this guy. He's the fucking man. We're going to give him the fucking ball, and we're going to ride him to the Super Bowl, right? You guys, for some reason, want to be like, oh, well, Montgomery's a good pro. He's been good to us. He does a lot of good things. I know. He is, definitely. But the other guy's better. Play Gibbs. Play him more. Lean on him. 
right? And if I'm the 49ers, yeah, I think you guys could put them in a bind that way. You know, one of the, I know this game, like, there was a part where you go, wait, the Bucks are playing this way. It's a little conservative. Okay, but the game's 10 to 10 at halftime. And, like, you know, but at the same time, as I was sitting there and, like, kind of writing the notes of, like, man, it's just a little too conservative and all that. You know, I'm going, okay, it's 10 to 10. But then I start to think about it. Like, in the third quarter, I'm starting to think about, it. like, yeah, okay, it's 17 all, but like it's had the feel of the Bucks barely hanging on on defense, like the whole game, right? It's like here's a receiver, he's wide open on third down. Oh, their D line batted it down. Okay, good play, great job. Oh, you know, here's a guy, it's one on one, and oh, the DB made a great play and just knocked it out. Or Amon Ra dropped the ball over the middle wide open on a third down, right? There was just some of that where I was like, I don't know if they're, you know, they're 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 just catching some breaks. It didn't feel like they were like physically dominating or hanging in there. It felt like they were just hanging on to keep that Lions offense under control. And I don't think the 49ers can can do that again or or the Lions will take advantage of it. Well, what the Lions showed last game is that they did, yeah, throw the ball 43 times. They had a lot of confidence in Jared Goff making the right play, especially late in the game. S Hesketh 83 says, "How have Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson been able to do what Sean McVay couldn't?" extract the maximum from Jared Goff. Is it a game plan and play calling thing or a mental psychological thing or psychosis, as Chris would say? Keep up the great work. Go Ahmed. Uh, Go Lions. Clap it up. Yeah, yeah. Clap it up. There's a lot there, mentally and physically. Definitely, like, rebuilt Jared Goff, right? You've heard me say all this stuff a little bit, but we got to answer our guy here. Mm -hmm. I mean, Goff won when you're the number one pick. You're just, it's rose petals at your feet all the time. Even when you're missing wide open people, they're like, oh, you're still so great. Oh, we'll give you 40 million, even though you missed the last five throws. Okay. You lost the Super Bowl. Here's 35 million, right? Because it's all like, oh, he was the number one pick, and we got to make it look like we make it work. And everybody thought he was the number one. So there's like a little of that, like a babying factor, Mm -hmm. right? All right. Also, like their O line wasn't great in those years where when they played good teams, right? This is the weird thing about Jared Goff. He's great against the blitz. He's horrible versus pressure. Does that make sense to everybody up there? He's great at the blitz right now with the Lions because you guys are very good at picking it up. He knows where it's coming from. He gets it orchestrated, right? But we know if that blitz starts to get close or the front four gets close and the pocket starts to close in, he's not that great. Well, he definitely had a lot more of that with the Rams. They weren't quite good up front. They were kind of doing it with tricks and McVay covering holes a little bit with how he called plays, right? Let alone, you know, if, if you really go back, and you know I used to make fun of Jared Goff in a little bit, because like if it wasn't served up on a silver platter for him, he couldn't make it happen. And I think a little it goes into everything I'm, that I just kind of talked about yep. was the problem. He was a little bit like, if he's not wide open, I'm not throwing the ball. If I don't see anybody on the screen, I don't throw it. Dan Campbell and Mark Brunel and Ben Johnson were like, hey, hey, fucker. He's open. I know it's only by five inches, but this is the NFL. you got to throw this the fuck in there, right? Let alone they had an O-line to protect him. They taught him how to pick up blitzes. Their offensive line's very well-schooled in that department. They play play play-action football, and they've played to his strengths that way and have more people around him in the strengths. Let alone his ass was, you know, backed against into the corner. Like, oh, shit, I better start playing better and doing some of these better things or they're gonna, this team's going to trade me away and I won't be a starter. So I think all these things happen for a good reason in Jared Goff's life. 
And great job by the coaching staff bringing him along, and a great job by him continuing to fight and get better. It's all connected. Yeah. And you do a good job of illustrating that. It's like Jared Goff is not this way without that offensive line and without the running game and without maybe some of the new innovations from Ben Johnson there. And I think this is a good time to – you can we can flip back to yeah. this side of the ball, yeah. but let's talk about the other quarterback. Yeah, okay. Because um, I think there's a similar conversation about him. How yeah. much is him? How much is Shanahan? Sure. It doesn't matter. Right. It's a team sport. Right. They're, they're playing well in the offenses, the situations they have, which is exactly what they need to do. Burn Unit wants to know, do you expect Brock Purdy to torch the Lions defense this week with no rain or rust to affect him? I expect a bounce back game. I do. Right. You know, where I do think he could torch them is, and I think I wrote it, you know, a lot in my notes once again. I think you saw it. Like, first off, he played like shit last week. Let's just not, let's start there. It was horrible. Like, I'm not overstating it. He played horrible last week. Could he just not throw it? Or? He could, the decisions, well, because he couldn't throw it, it started to affect his decisions, mm. right? There was a number of plays where I'm like, throw it. And he didn't want to because he was like, I lost control of the last three, so I'm going to check it down here, right? If he hits a few of the throws last week, he's going to break the Packers out of their defensive game plan, and they're going to break the game wide open, right? But because he kept missing throws, they kept going, we'll just play this conservative coverage and play off and let you have these throws because you're not really making us pay, right? So they can continue to kind of do that throughout. I definitely expect a bounce-back game. I do. I also, you know, you guys, and you've heard me say this a lot throughout the year, you guys overplay situation and personnel sets, which I like. That's who you are. You're aggressive. You guys' defense is not perfect. But as we've talked about a million times, if it's third and one, you guys fucking go to, we're not going to let you get the one yard. You know, in fact, we're not even going to have a safety deep. If you throw a deep, we're going to, you might score a touchdown, right? You have 65. Right. You're not not getting getting the one. one. Exactly right. You overplay personnel sets and formations and the down and distance. And that's like we talked about earlier in the year. If it's third and six, you guys play for the seven yard pass. And you go, you're not getting seven. Do you have the guts to throw a 20? Because we'll give you that on third and six. And that's where you guys are really cool, right? I expect you guys to go all in to stop the run. It's scary against this group. It is. And then with your secondary, you know, you know, the one of the reasons I know I've said like the 49ers defense is not as good as in years past and maybe their run run O line is not as physically dominant as years past, but their pass offensive passing game minus last week is the best it's been in the Shanahan era to where, you know, you can't just go oh, it's Jimmy Garoppolo, he'll screw it up, he won't read the play, whatever, and we're just going to play run defense, and he really won't take advantage of all that's there to be had. Like, Brock Purdy, for the most part of the year, has tore you up when you overplay some of those things, right? And that's where it will be interesting as far as how you guys go about that and how you want to play them. Their 21 personnel especially if Debo Samuel is healthy, is going to give you guys problems. When teams go 21 personnel, you guys who are big on defense already go, let's fucking get bigger, right? And you put in three linebackers, and you'll have four big D linemen in there, maybe even five, and go, you're not running the ball. But the 49ers are phenomenal at passing the ball out of those sets too. 
And that's where I think it's going to be interesting, too. As much as you guys want to go all in and go, no, you know, we're going to make we're sure we take one thing away and stop the run, that could be dangerous against this group. We know. Because then, okay, they run it a little with success, and now you guys are like, eh, eh, we got to stop the run. And then, oh, no, now it's the play action. Now it's the boots. Now it's the fake run and the screen outside the Debo. And all of a sudden you're like, damn, we got Jack Campbell and all these lot and Derek Barnes and Anzalone in and five big D linemen, and now we can't pursue, you know, when they run the play action or the screen or the toss sweep or whatever. And I think that's one fascinating angle to me. Yeah, Debo could be a huge problem if. If. If he if. plays. So his shoulder is not broken. He had a hairline fracture in week six. It's not the situation right now. But his status for Sunday is still up in the air. And so yeah. Panicar 37 wants to know, why does the 49ers offense seem to change so much when removing Debo Samuel? They won last week, but the offense looked very different without him. Yeah, well, he's just the jack of all trades. He's the ultimate weapon, right? That, I mean, that, that's the big thing. And part of that personnel set we talk about is such a big thing too, right? I mean, one, it's it's... Oh, wait, we want to worry about the run game and Kittle and the play action and all that. You overplay that. That's where Debo comes into uh, Oh, a slant off the backside. Oh, a wide receiver screen. Now he's running up 50 yards up the middle like the Eagles game for a touchdown, right? So he's a, he's a big part of their checks and balances, as you hear me say, right? What do they always do when you start to overplay the McCaffrey run game? What do they always do? They fake it and reverse it to Debo, right? They go, you're overplaying this. Then Debo goes out the back door, and we go, holy shit, look at this guy. He's got three rockets up his ass. He's angry as hell. He's running like a running back, and now he's doing that. So that's where – and I think he has an attitude and a personality that that team feeds off of. He's the leader in that department. Is he more important to the offense than McCaffrey? <sighs> I feel like sometimes to the attitude of the offense he is a little bit, and – you know, I don't want to say he's more important. I don't think that. But I think he's the ultimate gadget, big play, jack of all trades type of player. Like, I think that's that's he where he can get I go. a defense off of what they want. He to do. he definitely can. Or if a defense goes all in on something else, you go, oh, we're gonna leave Debo there in that matchup. Oh no, right? And I think that's that's where he's really great. And back to the twenty-one thing too. You know, like again. Like, if I'm the 49ers, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to play phone booth football against you guys. You guys like that, right? But at the same time, I want to think I want to get in 21 personnel. And let me test the waters. Let me, first of all, let me see if we can run the ball against them. But let me get in 21 personnel, and now we get into, oh, it's empty, right? You know, we've seen them do that. Like, it's wait, it's two backs and, you know, one tight end. And wait, they're in the shotgun with nobody in the backfield now, right? And then they pose problems for you. And then it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit. Derek Barnes is covering Christian McCaffrey one-on-one in the slot. Oh, no, that's not good for us, Detroit, right? So that's the, the aspect I'm interested in seeing, too. But, you know, that's where, again, that'll take your guys' ability to go all in. Like, I think you heard me say, like, the Bucks go empty. What do the Lions do? And the all-in category, what does that do for them? That They rush three and drop eight. Because, oh, they're empty. They go all in on, let's stop empty. Oh, they're going to run the ball in a power set. We're going to go all in on that. That's what they do. And they got to be careful with doing that with Shanahan. You know me. When you know, you've heard me say it for four years now. Yeah. When you start to become predictable a little bit with what you do, that's where he can get you. And they got to be careful that they, you know, they got to throw a few curveballs in there every now and then. Yeah, so Nigel Bryant thinks maybe, maybe the Lions can learn from what 
the Green Bay Packers did. What takeaways from the Green Bay San yeah. Francisco game can yeah. Aaron Glenn use this week to best prepare his defense for the daunting task? Yeah, I've stopping that offense. I, I think you know a, a little bit. As I, I hear you, like the the Packers played five and six man fronts, and then just played the safeties and secondary off, and basically went, you know, we're going to stop the run. And we're not going to let you do some play-action pass. And like we said, Kittle or Ayuk are now screaming down the middle and our safeties came up to stop the run or we're so into the run game that now you're wide open with some of these play-action passes down the field. They kind of played that way. And they were like, okay, we're going to do that. We'll see if you guys can execute and do all that. Now I expect Brock Purdy to play better, right? I expect the ball to be dry, certainly. But I think along those same lines, I would test the waters just like that. If I'm the Lions, which you guys do this already, play a lot of five-man fronts, five-man fronts, play off, and let's see if Brock Purdy and their offense is on their surgicality game and can they go there. And then you readjust. But I think that's what you learned from that game last week. Definitely. And listen, five-man fronts are you got to be always thinking about that when you play the 49ers. That McCaffrey run, the McCaffrey almost all successful runs, when the Packers decide to go, let's go a four-man front here, they might go play action pass, they might do something. They ran the ball. The big touchdown run was against that four-man front. So, you know, that's another – it's another great game. I think the most fascinating thing about both of these games is how much I think of both coaching – all four coaching staffs. And that's where I go, wait, these guys are all pretty creative on both sides of the ball. They can all think outside the box. They're all going to evaluate themselves and the other team the right way. Now, which there's a fork in the road here. And which, which way are they going to go? And I can kind of see like a fork in the road for all like eight coordinators yeah. to where I go, oh, they could play it. Do the 49ers want to spread it out and go, hey, they're not good in the secondary and we're going to make them play that game? Or are they going to go, wait, we're really good at 21 and running the ball and playing off that and then spreading it out every now and then? I just, you know, there's a lot of different ways I could see this going. So out of the, the four coordinators in the, in the game, Aaron Glenn's been under fire because that defense hasn't been great, but he, he's, they realize that there's, he's covering holes. there's some holes in right. there. Steve Wilkes has also yeah. uh, been, been under fire for the 49ers. Yeah. Do you feel like as the year has gone on, he's become more comfortable with the system, or is he still, are there still growing pains I, with Wilkes? I still think there's some growing pains. Yeah. I do. I, um, I think you saw in my notes that you know, one, one of the things with, with them right now I think they need to play a little more, man. I do. I would dabble in it a little more, especially against your group, as you heard me say. Like it's, it's not always the scariest, right? It's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Don't get all over me, Detroit fans. I know. Yeah. You're still really good there, right? But I look at that. Where I didn't like like the 49ers and even some of the things I saw last week, and it would scare me against a guy like Ben Johnson, is you know, Lafleur and company – and this is bit like they found ways to clear out those zones and then have somebody running through with, in a big window or hole, right? Like, hey, we'll use these two or three of your guys. You kind of read them, but we're really using them just to get the 49ers and their match zone coverage out of the way. And then we're going to bring somebody else in. The play's really for that guy. You know, hey, still read it out because they might fall down or whatever. But in the back of your mind, you know, I'm really calling the play for this guy. I'm clearing it all out for this guy. And that scares me for the 49ers a little bit. And that's where I think they'll have to bend a little bit. And like I said, their D is not played as great up front to where, you know, they might have to do it when they start to go, ooh, I don't know. They might be able to run the ball on us. We might have to, uh, you know, play a little bit more man and gamble that way. You know who has played well on defense this year and in the playoffs? My guy, Aiden Hutchinson. We're going back inside the numbers powered by AWS. 
They had a little graphic. They made not a little graphic. It was a, it was a sizable graphic on the pressures of five or more in a game this season. So if you had five pressures or more in a game, how many times you do it? Aiden Hutchinson has done it, including the playoffs, 16 times. Chris, uh, look at the wonder of this graphic. That's 16 games where he has had five or more pressures. That is clearly the number one in the NFL. Number two is Nick Bosa with 12 such games. Yeah, it's, that's incredible. It, it really is. Hey, he's a force. He's one of the best defensive players in football. And it goes above and beyond his pass rushing, as we've talked about a lot. I mean, he's he's a disruptor. He's awesome in the run game. And he is – he's your – you're one blue chip pass rusher, and you guys, because of Aaron Glenn and covering holes and the the tactical, we'll send a crazy blitz every now and then. You do a good job of like not letting teams double them or do anything that way either, and that's that's really what's good. But damn, you guys, the greatest maybe the greatest thing that happened to Detroit in the last five years is Jacksonville decided to, to draft oh Trayvon Walker. So he, uh, of those six pressures this past week, four yeah. of them were under two and a half seconds. So he was getting there quickly. A couple were unblocked, or at least one was unblocked. But it right goes now. into that. Yeah, it goes again. See, that's that's what they do too, right. right? And that's where those stats can be misleading at times, right? Is just because it's like, oh, okay, well, wait, wait, wait. they they send a blitz where he didn't get blocked, right? But either way, it's it's twofold there. Aaron Glenn does a good job of making sure he gets some advantages every now and then, and then of course he's awesome when he does get those advantages. I sent uh, that tweet to to you and and Pete and and Matt the other day on Cam Sutton because you know we've talked about it, you know what's the weakness of the Lions defense? They got some holes. The outside corners are not great. They do give up some some passing yards yep. there. They've been going against some great wide receivers, yeah. uh, Cam Sutton specifically, and he is on an island. Yes. And he's probably not suited to be on an island, but for the Lions, they want to send. Uh, branch. They want to send Melifonwu. They want to. They want to create some of those creative pressures. Yeah. And that does put Cam Sutton in a tough spot. Definitely. All credit to him. He's been put on an island. He has. He's a. You know. I think you and I were texting last night. I mean, he's yeah. had. He's had a, a murderer's row as far as big time receivers. He's had a play against. And that's. It's. They put pressure on him. You know. And he. He handles it as best as he can. He's not that. He, he's a career nickel. You know, nickel player who now has been put outside and probably not playing in the position that best suits him, but to get their best 11 on the field, Branch is a better nickel player, right? Let's put him there. Cam Sutton, yeah, maybe not an A-plus outside corner, but still damn good enough and can play there to where we're the best that way. Um, yeah, it's, it's – it's, uh, you know, the 49ers, where they're a little different in years past, too, is that, you know, you've all, they throw the ball outside the numbers a little bit more with Brock Purdy as compared yeah. to what they used to do with Garoppolo, right? I mean, we've had some games where we've come in here Monday and I go, man, this throw by Brock Purdy out here was big time and, you know, got them off the hook in the Eagles game. And he certainly hasn't been afraid to throw the 15-yard out, the 10-yard out of his out. That is what's different about them a little bit. They will play a little one-on-one -on -one ball as compared to years past. So, you know, some, some fascinating things here. And, uh, yeah, I think the 49ers' D, though, has to be a splash more aggressive in this game than they would normally be.
I don't think their four-man rush is going to be able to get there consistently. I think they got to blitz a little bit. I think it also, too, you know, their secondary is good enough. It's better in years past than playing man than it usually is to where I think they could dabble in that uh, a little bit more. Yeah, to hammer home the point on Cam Sutton and what he's had to go through. Week yeah. 16, Justin Jefferson caught a touchdown, 83 yards against him. CeeDee Lamb, seven catches against him for 96 yards. Justin Jefferson, five catches for 70. He wasn't really uh, – guarding Pukunukua much in that game, so gave up just one catch there, it looks like. Uh, but uh, Mike Evans, nine catches for 124 yards and a touchdown. It's been tough for yeah. Cam Sutton there. Yeah. Uh, that was Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. We're looking over the notes. We're making sure we haven't left anything out. I, yeah, I think, you know. You were surprised part, it was a seven-point uh, spread. And I think, you know, if Debo doesn't play, Pete notes here in our rundown that there was a three-game losing streak. Vikings, Bengals, Browns. Debo didn't play in any of those games. No. But Trent Williams also yeah, missed those was injured games. at that yeah. time. Yep. We, have a, we have a question here from Fly Foggy. Yeah. This is the atmosphere inside the 49ers and Lions locker room after the game and their uh, respective coach speech was on completely different levels. Yes, it was. So it was Kyle just subdued. I, I didn't Kyle really see Kyle was just his. like, hey, you won. Way to persevere. But it was a little bit like, hey, we should. We thought we were going to fucking win, and we expected to be where we are next week yeah. and all that. Dan Campbell's was a little bit more of like, you know, this is awesome. We're still playing. You know, you know how hard it is to do what we're doing and all that. It was a little more that way. He goes, knowing that, do you think that will affect the energy both teams bring to the field for the conference championship game? Well, I would hope the 49ers energy is different, right? Uh, it needs to be a little bit. Uh, the, the 49ers, it was there to be had. They were outplayed in that game. Yeah. You know, the way Purdy played, some of the plays Lafleur and the special teams made, on, I mean, the offense made, and then, you know, the special teams – was damn good. I mean, hey, listen, again, I mean, what is it? Three out of the last four drives, there's two interceptions, a missed field goal. Let's not forget in the first half they were inside the 10 and went for a tush push on fourth and one and didn't even get it, right? I mean, there's things there to be concerned about. As I said, you know, I think on Monday to you, it's the perfect win 
for a coach like Shanahan to be pissed off at his football team. We played like shit. We didn't play good enough. It's the NFC Championship game. We play like that. Again, we're going home. The team knows that. They're going to be scared. They're going to be on edge. I'd be shocked if they don't come out with a little bit of a different energy and play a different style of football. I don't doubt what the Lions are going to come out like. Mm. That's not even a question. It's going to be psycho, positivity, awesome, Dan Campbell energy, all of that. And, uh, you know, I think they're, they're pretty consistent that way. 49ers have definitely been a little all over the place, a little, as far as that's concerned. You know, you heard me say the Ravens game, I never saw them with less of an edge in that Ravens game. That's the only game I can ever remember the, Ra- the 49ers dapping guys up, smiling, talking between plays, doing that kind of crap. Uh, that was odd to see. And, of course, the, the performance this last weekend was pretty odd as well. All right. Have we hit all the notes? The, the last thing I have to say. One more thing. One more thing. Is, like, my last note on the Packers offense versus the 49ers D. There thanks, he is. Thanks, what up, Columbo. Columbo? What a great head of hair that guy had. Streaming um, on Peacock. If you still have it in the, the service, we appreciate that. The interception on the last play of the game by Jordan Love is quite possibly the dumbest throw in the history of playoff football. <laughs> I, you know I've been positive with Jordan Love. I love the future. I love all of it. The first interception was bad. Bad throw, whatever. The second one, like, watching it on film made it worse. It already was like, what the hell on TV? On film, it's insane. If he makes the completion, I'm not joking you, it's the greatest throw in the history of football that I've never seen anybody make. Never. Brett Favre, Elway, Josh Allen, Mahomes, nobody. He was on a almost dead sprint run on the numbers on the right, and he was throwing an in-cut to Christian Watson, who was on the right running full speed to the left, who was going to be on the other numbers on the left side of the field, let alone it was 35 yards downfield at another 10 because it's across the field too now, like – Insanity. I cannot believe he did that. After the year he had of taking care of the football and being smart, to try that play, right? I know people online were like, it's like Brett Favre and the Viking Saints. Yeah. Like, this is way worse. Brett Favre at least had pulled those off 150 times in his career, and that was only like 12 yards down the field. This was, I don't even know, it was full Tropic Thunder on that moment, and it stinks that the year ended that way for, yeah, for well, him. What do you think for him? You know, Because it was yeah. such a great year, such a positive great year, year. But it's like the fact that that was your last play. It's, it, it stinks, and it's going to hurt them all offseason. Yeah. But either way, the future's bright. Green Bay's got something, and you know, like we've talked about, they they got a lot of young talent. They're going to be a pain in the ass for your Lions here the next few years. Young talent, you always want that. You always want big butt talent, oh, too. you got to have it. For the divisional round, big butt awards. It is we that time. Like big butts and we cannot lie. The big butt of the week. Oh. Time to give some love to these Woo. big guys. Some touches. It's a couple sacks, forced <laughs> fumble. He's a butting superstar. Woo. Give it to him, Ahmed. One butt cheek. And this is why you're the big butt expert of the world right now. Woo. Our first big butt. Award winner is not a butting superstar. He's a butted superstar. He's, he's, he's been he's already a butted superstar. Out. He's butted out. He's been busting through his pants. Chris Jones. Uh, his first big butt of the year. He had five last year. 
An NFL high five how last year. How disrespectful are you? I don't know how that happened. Well, he wasn't here. Well, how many games did he miss in the beginning of the year? Uh, a few. So there you two? go. Two? Or was it, was yeah, it just, was two? It was it just two? one? I can remember. I thought it was more than that. Maybe yeah, two. Might have been, he right. might have been back in for the two, but he didn't play because okay. he wasn't, wasn't in shape yet or right. ready to go. Whatever it was, he was great in this one. A tipped pass at a crucial time and then impacted that throw to Shakir on the last drive. And Chris Jones was asked about that by Albert Breer, said, the whole game, I was on the inside. My coaches had been telling me to go outside, contain the outside. The whole game, I was like, we're not ready yet. It needed to be a critical situation because if I showed it too early in the game, they were going to be able to adjust to it. Later on in the game, I took that opportunity. How about that? How about it, that? It is really cool. It shows you that on third downs and stuff, they have the flexibility to line up where they want to line up. I was going to say, so the, the, it's all up to Chris Jones. I, it, Coach is like, go over here. He's like, I'm not ready. Well, they've told him he can. Yeah, I know. Yes. you know, But it, we've seen great defenses who have been in the same scheme a little bit. That goes on. Hmm. Like I used to have this. I've had this conversation with like Ray Lewis a little bit. Ed Reed. They they'd call a blitz. They could figure. They got to call who they wanted to blitz. Right. They knew the blitz was like, hey, we're going to bring two guys off the weak side. They would fucking break the huddle and be like, hey, you go and you go. And then everybody else kind of knew how to fill in from behind it. Right. Wow. Yeah. So that, I think they have a little bit of a flexibility there, according to matchups and whatever else. And I'm sure they go into some the game of you know some sort of thought process from the coaches and all of that. That. But in, interesting and tr- he's so good. He's incredible. He really is. Instincts, talent, physical strength, all of it. It's off the charts. The batted ball he had, it it might have been a touchdown. It was one of the drives they made the Bills settle for a field goal. He's throwing the ball over the middle. I can't remember if it was Shakir and the running back. Jones got double teamed. He knew he couldn't break it. He kind of got stoned right 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 at the line of scrimmage. So he just went, okay, I'm going to sit here and wait for this big fucker to throw the ball. When he says it, I'm going to stick up my big hand, and he knocked it down. And it looked like it might have been one of those where, like, the guy catches it at the one and falls in the end zone, right? So big moment. Stud. Back to that conversation about studs, mm. right? I want to hit this because, like, this is where the Bills, I love McDermott. I really like Brandon Bean. Stay the course of what they've got. They've done a lot of good things. But, again, like you got, they have to get some more sizzle on the roster. Again, you know, we talked about Stefan Diggs. I rattled off today a bunch of players. Like Stefan Diggs is still a number one. Is he still in the top half of football? Number one? No, he's not. He's not. All right. So that let, let's just start right there. He's. I think if you were realistically going to kind of go into Stefan Diggs, you'd go, yeah, he's somewhere between, you know, maybe sixteen and twenty something as far as receivers right now. He's not a superstar elite one. He's a route-running one, he, and this is not a route-running offense. That's why he was great under Dayball, because yeah. from New England, he knew how to, the Edelmans, the Wes Welkers, right, those type of guys run routes really perfect. I can come up with little plays where you'll, you'll crush the coverage if you run the route the right way. That's where Diggs needs to be in that type of offense. They're running an offense right now that's a little bit like, you know, it's like they have like major heat at receiver, like they're the Bengals, and they're just like, we're going to beat man-to-man and just run by everybody, and Josh, you just throw it deep. And that's not what Stefan Diggs is. But back to what I was getting to is, let's just go, the Chiefs, the offense. I mean, Joe Tooney is all pro this year. Creed Humphrey was all pro last year, and he's in that conversation, right? Okay. The other guard, uh, Trey Smith, is damn, damn good. But, okay, there's that. Then you got Travis Kelsey, all pro. Right, ish, right? We know. Mahomes, lifetime all pro, okay? You know. Then 
Defensive side of the ball. Chris Jones, all pro. LeJarrius Sneed, all pro. Trent McDuffie, all pro. Nick Bolden, if he's not hurt for half the year, all pro. You can't say that about the Bills. Josh Allen, all pro. Uh, 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 That's it. That's right. And So come on, everybody. Look at the fucking teams a little. I don't know where everybody's like, this is where everybody's like, one with the criticism with Josh Allen, right? And then two, with just the Bills overall, where everyone just wants to blame McDermott and Josh Allen, I want to go, no, 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 there's an overriding thing here once again where, like, you watch the game. Did you did they did they talk about a Bills front seven player the whole game? I didn't see every play. I was in. A I know plane in a private plane, but but no, but it's like yeah. seriously. I mean, the whole game, other than the like the first drop back pass of the game, they never even got close to Mahomes. I mean, other than that, it was like so. The, that's what I'm trying to say about hmm. the Buffalo Bills and where they need to get a few more killers on their roster. How dare you use the Big Butt Awards to crush the Buffalo Bills? How dare you? No, I'm glad. I'm glad we got that. I mean, it's true. It's, Meanwhile, it's going to bury them in a few minutes. For... <laughs> we will have to do that. Uh, congratulations, our Edge Big Butt of the Week is once again my guy. How do I not give it to him? How do I not give it to him? Uh, Pete's yelling Homer in my ear. He goes, "Have you no shame?" Uh, the fifth of the season for Aiden Hutchinson. Fourth straight week. I mean, what? <clears throat> so PFF had him for you, eight pressures. You're just going where the game. You're just going with what the game tells you. Exactly. Right? You're just watching the game, and it's just it's it's presenting itself it's like, right to if you. If they're going to let me run seven yards of carry, I'm just going to keep run seven yards of carry. That's right. I hear you. He has 17 pressures in the playoffs. Next highest has 11, eight sacks last four games. Um, so yeah, he's he's been he's been incredible. We talked about it last week. We talked about it the week before, the week before that, the week before that. But I, I like the thing is he's playing his best right now too, which is awesome. It, it it seems like it. I mean, he's hit a stride. And you know, it's it's funny when you were talking about this too. I was just like, you know, yeah, no edge guy really splashed this weekend. Now mm-hmm. that I think about it, there was no dominant edge performance, right? I mean, I think it was clear. I mean, clearly him on the weekend. I can't think of anybody from the Texans-Ravens game that really was popping that way, coming off the edge. I mean, Nick Bosa, you know? no. No, I don't. Certainly not Bosa. The, you know, Tampa Bay, nobody on that side of the ball. And then the KC-Buffalo game, I mean, you hit the one guy that was the most disruptive, and that was 95, but he was an interior player. Are we getting to the point here with Aiden Hutchinson? Because we always talk about who are the best edge in the game. you got Miles Gary, you got Nick Bosa, you got Micah Parsons there, maybe in the reverse order. Um, yes. Is Aiden Hutchinson the clear four like top four in the mix there in any order i i think like who else would it be well yeah i think he's he's right i mean you know i'm gonna go i'm gonna go micah and miles go, garrett right one right? two then you get into tj watt max crosby oh, tj watt right Oops, sorry we forgot that. it's okay i knew i knew Ooh, max crosby you know right i think he's right there though i don't think he's far off that he's group. definitely in that group i think I, yeah i think i like i'll say this out of due respect for what they've done I'd put Micah, Miles Garrett, and TJ Watt in a little bit of their own class. Okay. And then I think that next class, tier two, tier two, is Max Crosby at the lead of the class by a shoestring in front of Aiden Hutchinson, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, who else am I maybe missing there? A Khalil Mack, a Trey Hendrickson, those type of football guys. And that next little group there. And I know there's some other guys here. I'm just trying not to make this a, a long, drawn out conversation. But, yeah, I. 
Like one of the best defensive players in football. That yeah. that's not that's not debatable. He's he's there already. Twenty two years old still. I think twenty two years still old. Very very young. Still growing. I mean, he's still thickening young out. He's, he's a young still boy. thickening out to be a man. Right. He's probably one of those guys that can definitely go home, eat a sleeve of Oreos, <laughs> and be like, I got us. I still have a six pack. <laughs> yeah. We don't have that luxury. He's twenty three. Turns twenty four in August. So he's a little older than I gave him credit for, but he is once again for sure. We know this. A big butt of the week award winner for the fifth time this season. Congratulations. Little he could skin, get, little he could get bigger. He, he could, could get, get bigger. bigger. That's You're what right. I mean. See? Chris Jones. Look at Chris. He's looking at Chris Jones over there. Yeah, like, and he's That's like, damn, I need, nah, I need to get that to there. I got to get that <laughs> butt there. I need more Oreos. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Christian's <laughs> running out of photos for uh, for my guy Aiden Hutchinson. But I'll tell you what, if he dominates that 49ers offensive line again, even in a loss, I'm going to have to give it to him uh, again here. Hey, I want to let you know something here because we're not the only podcast out there. I know no? some people think that, but no. more people I do podcasts. I thought we were the only one. Looking for a little more insight into betting the conference championship games this weekend? Oh, Our yeah. friends of the show, Jay Croucher, Drew Dinsick, have you covered with Bet the Edge. New episodes continuing to drop every weekday through the playoffs at 6 a.m. Eastern. Jay will also be back on Unbuttoned when we're in Vegas, Super Bowl week. So he's yep. going to come on the show. Yeah. Give his props, which I know is one of the most popular betting segments we do every Jay's year for the, the man. Super Bowl. Jay's the man. He just always knows like the inside edge and the trends, and he can kind of read it and yep. go, this guy's not getting enough love. Definitely. Um, so let's try to be Jay okay. right now. We've got let's the Championship that. Sunday rush. Drew's the man, too. Yards like, when later, I go on their right. show, they know football. They really do. And they are extremely analytical. They play the numbers game more than I do. But when I go on, I always say, oh, that, that makes me think a little bit or whatever. They always got a few good points. There's no doubt about that. Sorry. Drew's a seismologist. Is that what he did? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. He is. It's, it, yeah, right. he, he studies earthquakes. It's like his actual real job, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Um, so here's here, who's going to get the most rushing yards this week? DraftKings has the odds for us. Uh, Christian McCaffrey right now is the favorite, plus 150. Then you have Isaiah Pacheco. Lamar Jackson, third choice at plus 450. What did he have, 100 yards last week? Yes. So right in there. The Gus double, Edwards. Triple. Gus Edwards is next. And then you got the Detroit guys because they do. Split those carries. Jameer yes, Gibbs, plus 800. And uh, David Montgomery, Justice Hill, and then Clyde Edwards-Alaire. No qualms with McCaffrey being number one. No. No. So where's it the is, value? It is, like, funny, though. Yeah. I mean, you're the number – What I mean, were you the number one run defense in football or the number two, number two run defense in oh. football? Hmm. You know? So that's kind of funny. Right. It wouldn't be what I'd bet on. I wouldn't bet on that. Like you, like you heard me say – I just think you guys are going to go all in on that. I would be shocked. It is just what you do. So I, I don't think that. If you if there's one that I like here, all right, I like Lamar Jackson and I like Jameer Gibbs. Those would be the two I like. I just see from what I saw last week, right, how I broke down some of the things before, the Lamar Jackson run game I would think is going to be a part of their offense this week. It was last week. It took them a little while to break it out. When they broke it out, the dam broke on the Texans. I think it's definitely a schematical advantage they have here against the Chiefs. So that would be one I'd look at. And then, yes, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I'd go with Jameer Gibbs. I would. Against, I think, the 49ers – you know, you could put them in a bind a little bit with where they're trying to worry about the play-action pass and all that, and I think your O-line is really damn good. And as aggressive as they are at times, as attacking the ball and the line of scrimmage, man, you know, I could certainly see what happening the other night. You got Jameer kind of gets bottled up. Jameer kind of gets bottled up. It's not great. It's three yards. It's two yards. It's three yards. Oh, it's 55 yards like Aaron Jones did the other night. Yeah. Right? And that, to me, is the other reason. You got to be a little patient with giving them the football. Right? 
You can't go, oh, God, one yard. We can't give him the ball another time for another quarter and a half. You know, the next one could be 80. You just you, you got to give him some touches. He's too dangerous. Aaron Jones had the most rushing yards last week. Yeah. Lamar Jackson was second. Uh, let's remember this, and let's check our work on this. Because okay. what was it last week? It was the passing yards, and we were talking about who's going to have the least and most passing yards. Uh, I think least was Lamar Jackson. That yeah. was what the odds said, and he yeah. did he did have the least, 152. Uh, the most, I think, was Jared Goff. He finished second to Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Right, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's let's see if we can let's remember. Check our work. Yeah, we'll, we'll okay. remember. Check it. Uh, don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this NFL playoffs. New customers can bet five dollars and pocket two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no sweat same game parlay every day. You can download the app. Use the promo code Unbutton when you sign up. DraftKings Draft Sportsbook. The, the crown, crown is, is yours. We only have a couple more of those left. I feel like. Do we do those into the off season, Pete? Do you know? We'll do some. We'll do it some. Never our ends, baby. It Draft, never ends. free agency. Our, our sponsors never go away until they do. Yeah. And then they never come back. <laughs> Whatever happened to Under Armour? Remember them? Remember yeah. Under Armour? They were here for uh, a long time. They did for a bit. Yeah, Pete was like a bit. Yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we still have yeah, a hoodie. I, I got still have shoes. some Steph Curry they, they, sneakers. Yeah, right? that was pretty cool. You yeah. can't wear them anymore, but we have them. <laughs> um, all right, let's finish with uh, with our uh, homies' predictions and the requiems here. So we we tracked all 1,053 of you who gave your entries and who was going to make the playoffs, what was going to happen. 34% of you have the Chiefs uh, as the AFC winner. 9.5% have the Ravens. Uh, so you, me, and Pete all have the Chiefs. Yep. Uh, 9.5%. I think I had the Ravens losing. In the I did so I, th- I had three of the four I had yeah. the Lions I had the Ravens I had the Chiefs Wow yeah I had three of the four too Yeah I had the I had the Lions I mean not the Lions I had the Chiefs the Ravens the Forty ers and just didn't have the Lions mm. Yeah NFC winner forty nine percent of all people have the Forty ers getting there That's crazy fifty yeah. percent of all the entries including you and Pete one point four percent of the homies have the Lions Wow. You're in special company right there. Well, I don't have them winning. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Like, what? I, can't I had the Cowboys. I, had the co- I couldn't do it. I was like, I'm going to jinx them if I pick Jeez. them to win this whole thing. I mean, thing. you picked them to win 56-13 to 13 last week, and you didn't even pick them to go so, to the Super Bowl. So four homies correctly predicted the final four. That's amazing. Wow. Congrats. And each has a different Super Bowl pick. So we got Daniel O'Neill has the Ravens over the 49ers. Okay. Uh, Gentian has the Chiefs over the 49ers. Greg Kuster has the Lions over the Chiefs. And Jack Day has the 49ers over the Ravens. That's How about incredible. That? All four different winners, right? A little different So does matchups. someone have to be right there? No, not necessarily, I well, guess. Well, someone's got to be right about who wins. About who wins, but, but yeah. it could be the wrong matchup. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. hope someone gets it exactly right. I do, too. Well, Way we, to go, Daniel O'Neill, Gentian, Greg Cooster, and Jack Day. We got smart, we got smart homies out there. We do. All right, now it is time to, to lay these teams to, to rest. They've died already. They've died already. Yeah. And now we lay them into the ground, you know? And, and it really, people say death is just moving from one phase to another. Yeah. So really, it's not that sad of a time. Um, but the music does make it seem more sad. All right, let me pull them up here. We'll start with the, uh, with the Houston Texans. 11 homies, 1% had them making the playoffs. So congratulations, you 1%ers out there. That was awesome. No one did predict them to reach the AFC Championship game. And you guys were all right, all 1,000 of us. So here we go. Here lie the Houston Texans. From the start, the team was on a quest to prove they were their division's best. Their quarterback can ball. He excels at it all, except the S2 cognition test. <laughs> it's the one thing. It's the one thing he can't do. Yeah. Uh, 
He crapped all over that test and that meaning of that thing. But he still can't do it. Whatever it was, he, did, he, he can be a great quarterback in the NFL, but he whatever, can't do that he test. can't do that. Let's do cognition test. You're Sucked funny. at that. Uh, so goodbye, Houston Texans. We're excited for you, though, next year. Should be a fun, fun year next Definitely. year. All right, here we go. Buccaneers, 5.4% had them making the playoffs. Three homies had them in the NFC Championship game. So close. Here lie the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At time, things were bleak, even though they were in it every week. Todd Bowles does look tired, but he won't be fired because he's a certified freak. Bowles <laughs> in this house, there's Todd Bowles in this house, there's Todd Bowles in the certified freak seven days a week. Yeah. Todd Bowles yeah. still around. Yeah. I know he's taking a lot of heat for his uh, end of the game, not calling a timeout. So maybe he will be fired. I, I feel bad for him because really it's like it's the fact that. Dan Campbell and Jared Goff didn't kneel the ball the right way. I know. That has added more pressure onto Todd Bowles Lions in the situation screw, Lions overall. screwed it up right. made it bad for Bowles. <laughs> I know. All right, so here we go. The Green Bay Packers, 49% of the homies had them making the playoffs. Wow. That's, yeah, that's higher than I would have expected. That is higher than I would have yeah. thought. I was uh, one of them. Four homies had them making the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. Oh, Man. That's not going to happen. That's not bold. this year, but you got the quarterback. If he doesn't do that dumb throw like he did at the end of the game. Uh, here lie the Green Bay Packers. In the end, their fans were quite grouchy, sinking in their seats. They got a bit slouchy. But the best news of all is the guy who throws the ball has no opinion on Anthony Fauci. <laughs> really doesn't carry their way. It's just like that's the best on news. fire. A compass traveler who we had earlier in the podcast wanted to uh, celebrate my Detroit Lions for me. And so there's a, a long poem. Do we have the actual poem here? Yep. There it is right there. I won't read the whole thing. If you're watching on YouTube or, or Peacock, you can, you can see it here. Wow. Um, I, I, this, is a, this is celebratory. Yeah, yeah we should. We should um, God, read the whole thing. I mean, you can't put the thing up there. Uh, okay. Do you want here, me to read it? Can you it not read it? Just a city boy in dreams, he's immersed, born and raised where hopes, flames burst. Streetlights, people in pursuit of emotion, a team's daring at, uh, a team's daring at fourth, a heartfelt devotion. I don't know if I can read the whole thing. There's bigger words than I normally use here. Um, but you can continue it from there, Compass Traveler. Everybody wants a thrill, rolling the dice. For the championship <laughs> game, they pay the price. They don't didn't. stop believing, hold on to that feeling, and hallelujah blue, a destiny. Any reviewing for read changing I, red for hallelu hallelu <laughs> blue. I can't say that word. <laughs> a transformation, a vision renewed. Don't stop believing. Attacking with might. A 49ers secondary that may be light. Ooh, it could be. Don't stop believing where gold meets the night. On Amon Ra's side, where wide receivers take flight yes. in the conference championship game. Radiant Ch glow. glow. The team marches on, letting the brilliant show oh. in Hallelujah Blue. <laughs> <laughs> we have, I cannot say Hallelujah. We have found a word that Chris cannot Hall say. I want to say Hallelujah. 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 I've been there before. That's a, that's a tongue, tongue twister right there. Uh, that was like a real traveler. poem. That's a real poem with yeah. an actual background and everything. Goff in there pumping his fist. Where would he go? Oh, uh, well done. Thank you. It was an awesome year. I say it as though it's it's over. They're only a touchdown underdog here. So um so hopefully I'll be I'll be yeah, exactly. Uh so yeah, I will be excited watching in the comfort of my home. Yep. My son there, my dad'll be there and so it's going to we're going to enjoy this. I, part of me as a, as like a Lions fan, I'm like 
If we would have lost against the Rams, that would have really sucked. Yeah. Because it was like, man, it's such a great year, and it would go on the first round. Right. And then I, I felt like if we would have lost against the Bucs, we, that would have sucked too because it's like, I really think we should win this game. Yeah, we're better like, than We're the Bucks. better than right. them. If we right. lose now, that sucks. Right. Like here, I'm like, all right, the 49ers are better. It's already been a great year. And I know that's loser talk, but it's just like, if they lose, I won't be devastated. You won't be crushed. But here's a, the other thing, too. Like, yeah. there's no guarantee, and I think we all know this, right? There's no guarantee that you make it back this far, either. No, I know. And you are just one win away from the Super Bowl. I know. Bowl. You can't make the bet that, like, Wayne Font uh, Wayne Wayne Fonts. Fonts will be uh, alive. I, I, the, I know. know. My $100 yeah. are at risk, for yeah, sure. Right. Um, so I, I, I'll be going crazy. I'll be super sad if they don't win. And, um, but I'm, I'm excited to have this Well, game. good luck. Thank you. I'm, I, your team is awesome here regardless, no matter what. Yep. And if you guys don't, if your Lions don't win, you know what that means. I'll be super happy that my team won, the 49ers. Exactly, yeah. One of us is going to be very <laughs> One happy. One of us is going to be happy. Oh, that's good. Uh, I'll be happy even if you guys win, even though I'll be sad, of course, for my friend and the 49ers, certainly. But yes. it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? Sunday, Lamar, Mahomes mm. in Baltimore. Hasn't been a game there in 71 years as far as championship game. That's cool. You know, two MVPs playing each other, both under the age of 30, right? Two two-time MVPs. Yeah, I, I mean, one guy trying to, hey, I want to get to a Super Bowl and show everybody I'm the man, and another guy just going, hey, I'm the fucking man, and you, you got to beat me because I want to continue to be the man. That's amazing. And then, of course, the 49ers and Lions, just as uh, the teams, the yeah. way they play. You know, it's not all about the quarterback. It's a little bit more about the team in general and the way you play around it. And I think it's cool. And I think we're going to see some great matchups on Sunday. So I hope everybody enjoys it. It's Lamar, Mahomes versus Goff and, and Purdy. Purdy. Everyone, I it's know. like those names. It's <laughs> classic matchups. It is. It's different. But it's, <laughs> it's 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 what we've kind of been saying about the NFC and the AFC the last few years. The NFC, you know, the top teams are more. Hey, we're about the team. Where in the AFC, the top teams are like, hey, our quarterback are awesome and we kind of put the team around them it's going to make a great super bowl because of that either way it will it definitely would be team versus you know the guy right and which is can be a cool narrative but uh i hope everybody enjoys it you know tomorrow's a thursday picks pod me and florio championship sunday style we'll go at it we'll have a good one there we'll break down the games and the matchups even further so please tune in check us out you know where to find us on social media love some of the questions and the involvement today ahmed good luck to your lions thanks so much as always for driving the ship here and uh, being so funny, even with that low blow on the bills. Uh, All right, everybody, be good. Enjoy the week. Clap it up. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.